This is True Consequences, a true crime and mystery podcast with stories based in New Mexico in the American Desert Southwest. Welcome back to True Consequences. I'm your host, Eric Carter Lundeen. Today I spend some time with a friend of mine named Alex Morris. Alex was interested in discussing the West Mesa Bone Collector, which is a very challenging case to get into, especially because it's not solved. There's really no resolution to it. So Alex and I sat down to discuss this case in detail. You know, I wish I could tell you that together we put our great minds to work and we were able to solve this case. Unfortunately, that's not what happened. I can tell you, though, that we did some research. Uh, We looked at several news stories as well as Wikipedia and really wanted to provide you the most honest telling of this story as we possibly could. So uh, that's definitely something that is a challenge. Uh, It's definitely a challenging case. Um, I want to go ahead and thank Maya, our latest Patreon subscriber, for your $5 a month contribution. Your contribution means so much to me And it also means that I can continue to provide content for each of my listeners. So thank you so much, Maya. If you're interested in supporting this one-man show, please go to patreon.com slash trueconsequences. And there are donation amounts as little as $1 per month. Also, don't forget to follow me on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at trueconsequencespod, and on Twitter at trueconspod. More information about this episode can be found at www.trueconsequences.com. Finally, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And tell a friend about True Consequences. Thanks for listening. What's up, Alex? Hey, Eric. How you doing? (laughs) Good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. So, I've known Alex for... Let me think about this for a second. I was 21, so I've known you for... 18 years. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. That's a long time. It's a very long time. We worked together um, mm-hmm, back mm-hmm. in the day. And anyway, Alex agreed to join the show and to tell the story of the West Mesa Bone Collector, which is not a story that I wanted to do. So I'm glad that you're the guy doing <laughs> you it. You didn't. <laughs> Did not want to do it. I mean, I wanted to do it because it's a, it's a you know, true crime unsolved unsolved situation in new mexico Mm. but i just it's it's intense and it's sad i guess if i could do the toy box killer i can do this yeah that's that one's hard that one's hard too absolutely but i will you know give my two cents of course perfect i definitely want to hear how you're going to tell me and educate me about this (laughs) horrible story Okay. Well, um, it's been 10 years now since this all kind of went down. Mm-hmm. So between about 2001 and 2005, 11 women were buried on, by an unknown assailant in the West Mesa. Can we talk about the West Mesa? Because I think I yeah. have a lot of listeners that are not from Albuquerque. Oh, that's true. So I just kind of want to throw the scene out here. So Albuquerque, uh, as you <sighs> probably know, if you've listened to some of the other episodes, is the biggest city in New Mexico. Um, I think there's probably close to a million people just in the metro area. The city itself, I think is maybe 500,000 or so, but, um, it is, you know, what we would consider a large city here in New Mexico, but probably anybody else would (laughs) disagree with us if they live in any other big city. 
And the West Mesa just sits to the west of the city. It's out in the desert. Uh, there's some volcanoes up there. There's some petroglyphs with some like ancient Native American drawings on the rocks. It can be a very beautiful part of the city just because it's so wild and natural and there's coyotes and a bunch of other wildlife out there. And so a lot of you know, Albuquerque residents, especially those that live close to the West Mesa, will often go running out there on the trails and uh, maybe do some motocross or four-wheeling mm, or whatever or in the desert, hiking. Uh, so it is kind of a big part of the city, I think, in terms of, you know, people use it a lot. So I think to find those bodies out there is a little... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little it can, scary. It's really scary. That's let's just get in how they were discovered then. Okay. So it all began on February second, two thousand nine, when a lady named Christine Ross and her dog Ruka took their regular walk on the west side. And the dog had actually found um basically a femur sticking out of the dirt. And so she noticed it looked kind of suspicious and she took a picture of it and sent it to her sister, who was a nurse. I mean, her sister immediately was like, you should, you know, notify the authorities. Mm-hmm. And there was about to be a whole bunch of a uh, housing development out there and they had to get stopped because of an arroyo was, uh, it was leaking or something like that. So for those of you that are not from here, an arroyo is basically. Right. I guess you would call it a wash in other areas. So uh, water from the higher elevations when it rains will rush down these arroyos into the river. And they're like mini riverbeds and they can get pretty intense and pretty violent if it uh, rains enough sometimes. Yeah. So sorry, I might jump in and do no, that. No, 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 do it. <laughs> Her suspicions were confirmed. They'd started a three month long dig at the country's largest crime scene. Um, it was equivalent to 75 football fields. Wow. Yeah. So it's, that's huge. It's a big, big crime scene. I mean, that's like, there's a hundred yards. Mm hmm. Times 70, so 7,500 yards. Yeah, yards, excuse me, yards. Wow. Um, And they said that uh, they estimated about over 40,000 cubic yards of dirt. So that's a serious investigation. That's crazy. Yeah. This is from Albuquerque police officer Nadine Hamby uh, said that she just stumbled on those bones and it just. Can you imagine you're just like happy hiking with your dog and then you just see some random bones sticking out? No, (laughs) no, I don't think I could. That's fucked up. Um, It's definitely fucked up. As a result of the subsequent police investigation, authorities discovered the remains of 11 women, girls, and a fetus buried in the site as well. They were the ages of 15 and 32, and most were Hispanic and involved with drugs and sex work. Wow. According to the satellite photos, the last victim was probably buried in about 2005. That's insane. I wonder, I mean, they had to be thinking right away that it was a serial killer, right? I mean. You would think so. I mean, so that, I think that would constitute a a serial killer. Well, and the fact that you're seeing kind of some similarities in victimology, you know, with like sex work. They all fit the same, like, you know, um, profile. Which is, you know, I think we're finding out now that that's kind of an evolving mo for modern day serial killers is they go after sex workers uh people who are struggling with drug addiction as well as you know we know native women on reservations Mm -hmm. uh where it's going to be harder to you know either miss them or find them or or whatever um it's really sad 
It really is. And uh, Victoria Chavez, well, she was one of the, she was the first one to be identified by the New Mexico Office of Medical Investigators. But the, they identified them all basically by dental records too. Mm. Yeah, it was her skeleton along with the partial remains of another, which were touched off the massive search. That's how it all started. Do you like? Were you around when, like, in two thousand nine, when all that was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I lived in Albuquerque ten yeah. years ago. It's uh, I re- I remember it was kind of scary, and then just hearing as it developed more and more, you know, they found more, they found more bones. It was, yeah, yeah. I remember watching that on the news at night, and it just kept talking about how big the area was that they were combing. Most of them had lived a hard life, logging arrest for sex work and drugs. Yeah, I think I think it's getting better, but maybe 10, 15 years ago or more, it was a lot harder, I think, for people who were victims of crime that were sex workers or um, struggling with substance abuse mm-hmm. to be taken seriously. And sometimes it would just, you know, be flat out ignored if they were raped or murdered or, or anything. So I think that's changing a little bit, um, you know, whatever they did. In their life, they didn't deserve to be murdered. No, absolutely not. Um, I hope that it's improving because um, yeah. it's hard enough on the streets. Yeah, for sure. And these, most of these were just kids. You know, they were in their 20s. They were just young. I mean, the oldest one was 32, right? So these weren't. The oldest one was Cinnamon Alex, who was 32, correct. I got something on Cinnamon Elks, one of the victims here. But it says here that Cinnamon Elks, one of the seven who have been identified so far, uh, before she disappeared in 2004, told some of her friends um, that a dirty cop was chopping off heads, and this is a direct quote, huh. of prostitutes and burying them on the West Mesa, huh. um, according to um, a reporter from the Albuquerque Journal. Um, police have not revealed what the causes of what the causes of death were to the victims out there. So whether the victims were decapitated is not really clear. Because it's just bones. In the exactly, desert. but that hasn't stopped rumors from flying wildly on the streets of the city. That there perhaps there's a you know a maniac cop basically, um, and that the police have refused to reveal details of the evidence uncovered at the crime scene, an 18 foot deep pit called the Bull on a 92-acre site west of the city. Nor have they speculated about suspects expect, except to assure residents that if the murders were the work of a serial killer, the perpetrator has either died or moved to another city. But despite law enforcement um, and what they say, the macabre excavation has kept the community on edge for a while now. Yeah, but you can't expect them to release everything that they no, have. No, absolutely not. You know, because that's... That's a little hard. That's how do. they solve... The investigation or, this, mm-hmm. you know, that they have to keep things close to their vest. I totally agree. Because you, you hear about cases all the time where, like, a serial killer will call and say that they did it. And usually the way that they know it's legit and they can corroborate it is if they say something that only the killer would have known from the case through the evidence. And, you know, usually sometimes those things will be held back from the media. Yeah, and, and held back from the public. So, and f- yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. I get the frustration, but you can't you can't expect the police to release all that. Absolutely. Um, let's see. The only one that was actually out of state was uh, Selenia Edwards, a 15 year old runaway from Lawton, Oklahoma, and she was the only African American and the only victim from out of the state. 
But she was a runaway. She was. A- Somebody that's going to not be either cared about, thought about, or easily found. Yeah, absolutely. And they used, I think they used like satellite imagery to discover when the last one was buried. They did. It said, according to satellite photos, the last victim was buried in 2005. So they must have just been watching the evolution of that area and like looking for disturbed dirt and stuff. That's kind of crazy. Well, and the tire tracks kind of led to one of right. their uh, suspects, right. actually. Well, let's talk about this. Okay, let's talk so, about them. Uh, so the, do, the police do suspect that all the people were buried by one person or persons. And that's why, you know, they're saying it is a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And now they're referring to this person as the West Mesa bone collector. Authorities also believe the murders are closely linked to an annual state fair, which attracts large numbers of sex workers to the area in the fall, mm-hmm. which I did not realize. Yeah, actually, uh, Central, any anything that brings a tra- attention to Central Avenue can kind of raise that activity up, especially if it's people coming from out of town. Makes sense. Yeah, I used to have, I used to run a restaurant on Central and it was, you would definitely see that increase. No official suspects have ever been named in connection with the murders. And in 2010, a reward up to $100,000 was being offered for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the people that were involved. That money has never gone anywhere, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, I think that's the most frustrating part about this case is that not only did it just end, but there's also never really been any kind of resolution, you know, for justice for these women who lost their lives. And they did identify all of them, right? So they all did. 11 yeah. victims have been identified. I believe so. Yeah. So can I just read the victim list real quick? Please. So we have Jamie Barella. She was 15. Uh, Monica Candelaria. She was 22. Victoria Chavez, 26. Virginia Cloven, 24. Silania Edwards, 15. She was the runaway from Oklahoma. Yep. Cinnamon Elks, 32. Doreen Marquez, 24. Julie Nieto, 24. Veronica Romero, 28. Evelyn Salazar, 27. And Michelle Valdez, 22. And she was actually four months pregnant at the time of her death. So that was her fetus that they discovered. So that's, I mean, for people who are into true crime and all of that, like, I think that sometimes it it can be a little bit of a fine line. I mean, we have to remember there's 11 women here who lost their lives. These are real people with family members and friends and people who cared about them and whether they were struggling with drugs or, you know, they were sex workers or whatever, they still didn't deserve to just be dumped in the desert like garbage. I think that's what's frustrating about this whole case is that it's been so long. I mean, we've already gone 10 years and there's really no justice, you know, for, for what happened to these women and these girls. Over this time, there's been quite a few suspects that have come about. Two really stuck out more than any, but I'm going to talk about some of the other ones. So, Fred Reynolds. Okay. Uh, he was a pimp who was who knew one of the missing women and reportedly had photos of uh, other missing sex workers. And he died of natural causes, unfortunately, in 2009. So, there was never any closure there. Uh, Lorenzo Montoya. Okay. Okay. Um, lived less than three miles from the burial site. Okay. So that's convenience right there. Yeah. In 2006, there were reportedly tire tracks leading from his trailer to the site uh, where the, all the ladies were buried. And in December 2006, this is a very interesting part of it. Montoya strangled a teenager who was also a sex worker in his trailer. Um, but 
her pimp uh, slash boyfriend, I believe, was outside in the car. And when he saw her dragging her body out, he got out of the car and shot and killed him. That's a little too coincidental. Yeah. And he died in 2006. So, And, the, and they up. said the bodies that were there, they were probably buried about four years. Right. So From 01 to 05. Yeah. And so that one makes some sense. Yeah. And in August 2010, uh, police searched several properties in Joplin, Missouri, associated with a local photographer and businessman in connection with the West Mesa cases. They apparently confiscated tens of thousands of photos from the man. This guy used to visit the state fair all the time, apparently. These were some of the photos that the news and the, and the police released to everyone just to be able to show. Um, one of them was of a, and they also showed, um, about five to six girls um two were just had their backs turned and they looked over their shoulder or whatever but the other ones actually showed ladies that looked like they could have been strangled to death or were unconscious of some sort and you can't really tell in the photo obviously that's creepy yes it's super creepy i mean even if he didn't do it still a scumbag yeah why why does he have why do you have all those photos yeah like what are you doing what the fuck, guy? Tens of thousands? Tens of thousands. Tens, Tens of photos. Like, I know I just, I'm not letting this go, but I don't want to let this go. This is crazy. Tens of thousands of Polaroid pictures um, of apparently sex workers from all over the, they don't even know. But five of them, they actually thought that might've been um, from Albuquerque. And so they were trying to figure out if these girls were a part of that. You know, that's one of the biggest worries in this case is that this isn't the only burial site. Right. And that there may be a lot more out there um, that um, haven't been discovered quite yet. Yeah. Well, and you look at somebody like uh, Israel keys as a serial killer, his, his motive was just to go like fly all over the country this isn't the Israel Keys episode, but I just like, it makes me think of this because he would bury like kill kits mm. in different parts of the country. And then he would go back and he would find somebody and then he would take their body from one state into another state for like cross jurisdictional issues. And like, I've always kind of questioned if the West Mesa bone collector maybe was somebody who was traveling around, mm. you know, they were saying, you know, the state fair seemed to be, possibly connected to this and right um it just makes me wonder if maybe it stopped because of that person didn't come back to albuquerque for a while i mean there's a really good possibility of that he might have felt like the heat was getting on him and um and once the you know they were discovered he might have said well i'm not going to go that place anymore to, right or i won't uh, bury them there i won't bury him there i'll bury him in the mountains or you know out in the desert um, well, new mexico is so uh empty yeah you know for the fifth largest state by land mass we have probably the second lowest population yeah. <laughs> or third lowest population. Um, you know, there's a lot of open space. There's a you lot. You can disappear very easily. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Back to the next one. Um, let's see here. In 2010, um, a convicted serial killer, Scott Lee Kimball, stated that he was also being investigated for the West Mesa murders, but denied killing the women. So that went nowhere. In 2014, a breakthrough in the case uh, caused Albuquerque police to become interested in Joseph Lee um, regarding the murders that had taken place. Lee had been dubbed the mid-school rapist for his activities in the 1980s, and they said that he would often break into homes of 13 and 15-year-old girls who lived near 
Pierre and McKinney Middle School in Albuquerque and rape them. What a shit ball, though. Like, yeah, yeah. What a piece of shit. And he's still in um, prison right now. Um, for the crimes he had previously committed. And in one oh. case, there was a DNA sample, but the rape kit test uh, wasn't rerun until 2010, and that eventually linked him to the rape. Um, and in 2015, Blee was also suspected by police by killing of a sex worker, and his DNA sample was located in an inner waistband and belt of a sex worker found dead on Central Avenue. So, I mean, all these suspects that we've covered all so far... Um, they all seem like they could all be... yeah. Responsible. I mean, I think the two that really stick out to me are Blee and um, and Montoya. Yeah, me too. And I think, not that I know anything, I don't really know, but I would say, for me, I would say Montoya is probably the most suspicious, mostly because when you look at serial killers, their behavior, they typically will be in an area that's close to where they are. Not that Albuquerque is that big and Blee could be, you know, five miles away, but... yeah. He's three miles away. Yeah. Well, whoever this person was, they knew what they were doing because when they buried the bodies out there, they didn't have a lick of clothing on them, um, which made it very hard to identify at first, you know, so no DNA evidence would hopefully been left, you know, and in four years, that's all pretty much going to disappear anyway. Right. Um, Something they did find was a tree tag from a local nursery. And they were able to take that tree tag and take it back to the nursery and find that it actually kind of went back to Blee. Really? Yes. But they, they still, that's not, I guess not enough to actually show conviction. Well, yeah. On. It shows that he was there. It doesn't show that he did it. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'd, you would think that'd be a nail in a coffin, but it, it didn't really uh, seem to do anything. So when did he go to prison? Do you know? No. Oh God. He has those like, dead eyes yeah dude he's a a creepy looking guy for sure <sighs> mid-school molester case there he is so he was convicted of a string of kidnappings and rapes in the 80s and 90s he was convicted in 15 but that doesn't say when he was arrested because he could have been arrested in 2009 <laughs> right right okay that's when they but still if they didn't find the bones to 2009 he wouldn't have stopped and that's why I think Montoya is more likely. I agree. I think so as well. Especially because he died in 06. Yeah. But and and, and if, that, if that is true and Montoya is the, the actual bone collector, West Mesa bone collector, then I feel kind of bad about it because the, the, it won't be solved. It really won't. Right. We will never know. We'll never really know. Unless there's somebody that knows something. Unless somebody you know, knows something and they don't come out about it. Yeah. I mean, if you know something about this... <laughs> And Joseph's the guy, and he's dead. Contact your local police. Yeah. I mean, let's close this case. Let's do something for the families, because um, they're the ones that are really having to, you know, suffer with this. Yeah, it's horrible. There's no closure. I kind of, well, I don't think you ever get closure. It's kind of what I'm learning. But there's no, at least, justice. Something. Justice Justice is, I think, what people want. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's what I want in my situation. Um, I mean, it, the other thing to think about too is if it's neither of those, or if it's none of those, and maybe it's somebody else, then they could be still out there doing this. Yeah, somewhere else. Yeah, or, or here, here. Yeah. Um, Albuquerque has quite a few missing people coming up and yeah. disappearing. Yeah, it's insane, huh? It is insane. Montoya looks like a creep too. Yeah, he does look like a creep. <laughs> 
Yeah, I just think it's kind of a weird coincidence that he died the year after everything stopped. Killing a sex Killing worker. Killing a sex worker. Strangling. He was only three miles from the burial site, man. That's close. That's real convenient. This spooks me out how uh, close it is to city. You know, how close it is. Shit, man, to my own home. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay, so it says here in the uh, or in the caption... Lorenzo Montoya, a man named a possible suspect in the West Mesa case, made several homemade sex tapes. In one, after a period of time, the tape goes dark. A few minutes later, it shows his bedroom and includes what sounds like tape being unrolled. Oh, that's that's extremely creepy. Oh, (laughs) And, And the girl that he strangled, he strangled her with duct tape, the one that he died yeah, she Killing. made like a he made a like a, a duct tape rope almost. They think they, they said. Yeah. So yeah, they found a bunch of his sex tapes too. And that's oh. is that's from the Albuquerque Journal. Yeah. That, so that was one of the sex tapes they found of his. Try to find the um the the voicemail. Oh, I think that was next. Oh my god, that's that is so spooky. There's something so incredibly creepy about like uh, hearing that. I didn't. I was not ready to for that. I wasn't either. I was gonna... thinking it was fake for sure. All right. Okay. So so this guy calls a private investigator, right? And starts leaving voicemails yeah. for this investigator claiming to be the West Mesa Bone Collector. And uh, I'm calling BS on that. I'm, I, I kind of agree with you. I think it's probably someone that's heard a lot about the case and kind of wants to maybe his own little notoriety um, yeah. more than anything. And anytime like... You see them going directly to like either the media or law enforcement whenever you see a serial killer like taunting the police. Yeah. I've never, I mean, maybe they do. Maybe they go through private investigators, but that just, there was tons of voicemails from, I think, I say it's a fake guy. I don't think he's the guy. <laughs> yeah. It could be just someone looking for his little 15 seconds of yeah. infamy. Yeah. Crazy. I think it's Lorenzo. <laughs> um, I I tend to kind of want to agree. I think Blee would uh, not necessarily fit the whole – it's not the same MO. He's yeah. not doing the same thing. He's not looking for the same kind of victim. Blee seems kind of like just a kind of scumbag that just goes after kids. Yeah. Um, Lorenzo seems more actually like somebody that um, might have made this happen. Uh, either way, though, like it just it just makes me sick to my stomach, like the whole thing. Yeah. It's so messed up. Um, you know, there's lots of cold cases out there, and there's lots of um, things like this that happen. But this one seems to be significantly, like, a little bit harder to deal with just because of the scenario. You know, 11 um, women in the fetus found buried in the desert. Um, and... That's a little bit harder to take than the, just your regular old cold case. I think it's yeah. a hard, it's a hard case. There's yeah. a lot of people affected by this. I mean, I'm hoping that if any of my listeners know anything, they've already <laughs> reached out to the police. But if anybody who just happens to hear this, you know, maybe you know somebody who knows something, uh, it would be it would be good just for the family's sake to have some sort of justice in this, or some you know at least know what happened. Um, yeah, the families, you know, they're, they're angry. I'm sure Mm -hmm. they're angry. They want their, their peace. Um, I can't imagine. 
And they, I think they're getting frustrated too. You know, Lori Gallegos, who was a childhood friend of Doreen Marquez, had said, you know, nobody has listened to us for so, for so many years. Um, these girls all had dreams, you know, said one of the father of the missing and no girl wants, uh, no girl grows up wanting that. Right. Um, and, and so I think their, their frustration levels are pretty high for them. Yeah. I mean, you have, it's already been over 10 years now going on 11, on 10, uh, 11 years without any kind of anything. I mean, some of the families even claim that the local police have made no effort to find them after they were reported missing. Even, um, the women knew each other from Albuquerque's war zone area, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, kind of a notorious area. They call it the international, international district. district my bad. <laughs> um, but they were all young and Hispanic and were all, they, many were of them were mothers and, uh, they had a high risk lifestyle though. Well, and I think that's, that's the frustration probably for the family members was when, when they did go missing because they were sex workers, because they were struggling with drug addiction, they weren't taken seriously. And that's, kind of the problem that i talked about earlier that i feel and maybe i'm wrong i've been known to be wrong a lot but i feel like it has gotten better in terms of you know at least from the superficial level it seems like maybe that's improving hopefully Here's some more information about the the photos. So on December 9th, 2010, uh, Albuquerque police had released six photos of seven other un- unidentified women who may also be linked to West Mesa. But police would not say how or where they had obtained the photos. And some of the women appeared to be unconscious. Um, and many shared the same physical characteristics as the original 11 victims. Um, the following day, the police released an additional photograph of another woman. And this woman was subsequently, uh, identified by family members who reported that she had died of natural causes previously. Mm. So, and then on December 13th, 2010, police reported that two of the women in the photos had been identified as alive and could have viable information if they could be located. Wait, so, so they they know they're alive, but so they, they don't know where they are? Apparently. this And this is from the guy that had the tens of thousands of pictures. Okay. So they're start, I think they started to kind of like figure out some of those Oh, pictures. okay. So that would make sense because he was in Missouri and maybe those women were from somewhere else. Right. And, okay. Right. Got, okay. I was like. But he was the one that liked sense. to frequent here during the state fair. Um, so. Um, so this is definitely the largest uh, or most notorious serial killer in Albuquerque, maybe not in New Mexico, because I think David Parker Ray takes the cake. How many victims did he have? Do these? They don't really know, though, they don't do know. they? Yeah, but I mean, <sighs> they, they suspected he was killing him for forty years. Jesus. So. Well, I mean, and that's you know this person that did this. Like I said, they they could have burial sites all over. They could have more victims. Yeah worked on this for a very long time but yeah it's it's just one of those cases and you would think with 11 people that there would have to be something there's some shred of evidence you know maybe it is that little tree tag that's that's one piece of evidence that could really unlock this whole case but with the situation and the way it is it just it's pretty difficult the other thing too i think like if it was blee don't you think he would have tried to like get some kind of plea deal or something I mean, maybe, but they, 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 he's only a suspect. They don't have any direct evidence to like nail it to him, though, to be able to say. Well, and it's not like we have the death penalty and they can't really like take that off the table for him or anything. He's just going to be in prison. He'll just be in prison. Oh, dude. 
Yeah, and I'm sure he'll be in prison for a long time while anyway. That's just scary. It really is, man. Like, And the most frustrating thing is that they just don't know who did it. I still think it's Lorenzo, though. That's my unofficial, unprofessional opinion. <laughs> uh, I, I would tend to agree with that. I really do. Um, he just seems like it's a little too perfect. It's just such a weird coincidence, you know, my opinion. But, well, that was rough. Draining. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe maybe somebody knows something out there. I have hope that one day it will be solved. Yeah, me too. Me too. Awesome, man. Well, I think that's... I think we got it all. I don't know. Thanks for having me on the show today, Eric. Oh, man. Thanks for coming. And uh, thanks for listening. Stay safe, New Mexico. Thanks again for listening to True Consequences. Follow us on social media. On Instagram and Facebook at True Consequences Pod. And on Twitter at TrueConsPod. True Consequences is hosted, written, and produced by me, your host, Eric Carter-Landine. Thanks for listening, and stay safe, New Mexico.